0: Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sambutasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sammasambutasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sammasambutasa bhutthang dhammang sankhang namasami It's the second full moon of the range retreat, so two-thirds of the range retreat is over. Um, So it's our fortnightly gathering where we reflect on the Patimokha, our common reference, our common... Agreement. I was thinking how um, I've just come back from Pune Punadhammas, and we got into talking about identity politics and the um, complexity of modern modern culture, and uh, kind of the irony of my life is that this is such a conformist a conforming way of living in the age of hyper-individualism and identity politics where a person can request that they are addressed with a certain pronoun, baffling. I guess if you're in that realm, it's not baffling, but you can actually choose the pronoun. And I think by Canadian law, if you don't address the person by the pronoun they want to, then you are in offense. Right? Anyway, I'm utterly confused by it. Um, the, the the beauty of conformity, if it's done well, is it, it very much helps you to define your social life. Um, living with a group of Friends who have the same aspiration. We agree to uh, a whole bunch of stuff. We agree to a hierarchy. Uh, We agree to a certain manner of relating to each other, of speech. We agree to a certain outfit. This isn't Prada, but it's good enough. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, so much, isn't it? It's interesting. the, the kind of conf, how much conformity actually frees you. Really, imagine if we had to every morning meeting we had to decide who's going to be the work monk. Right? It'd take you probably two hours to decide who's the work monk and then it'd be lunch or who's going to be the abbot, or and so on and so forth. So we by by giving ourselves to this form which the the Buddha has recommended is a good form and our teachers from the past have refined and we ourselves constantly refine or adjust to this culture Um, we are given we're given a lot we're given a, a social construct within which the values are not hyper individual but they're rather basic values of humility, sense restraint, being content with little, uh, moral integrity, uh, responsible speech, communication which is considerate, and so on and so forth. It's beautiful. We're really really fortunate. We're very fortunate. As we were talking about this at you know, Ajahn Poonadhamma's place, I realized how ignorant I am of all these issues, because I usually limit my literature to the Lee Valley woodworking (laughs) catalogue. And YouTube is usually about dovetail joints, (laughs) profound things like that. So then I, I found in these meetings with the abbots of the monasteries that I was the most uninformed about these issues, which I didn't mind, really. And so then Ajahn Gianto sent me a, uh, he said, if you want to see something really bizarre, uh, there was a, a piece from, uh, I think it's called Evergreen University in Oregon, where the students basically just took over and uh, espoused the most bizarre kinds of values of individuality, and it was quite violent, it was quite... Frightening, actually, how they, their demands for individual expression, could have killed someone. It was really, really, really quite disturbing in that way. In the same way that uh, Mao, Mao's the uh, Little Red Book and the students took on much of China and, and how communism operates. So this was kind of extreme left-wing kind of stuff. wow, imagine that. So I hope we don't have a revolution here. Because <laughs> this is the beauty of this, this place, is that we all sign up for this conformity. We all give ourselves to this conformity. But we don't conform out of a sense of fear, and we don't conform out of a sense of superstition or... The Buddha said to do it this way, no, we conform so that we have a way of living within which we can reflect in a way which is not, we're not threatened by each other. We can look at our defilements and negativities. Uh, We can develop generosity and morality and meditation. Um, So actually our our individuality uh, is is, um, I shouldn't say enhanced, but our individuality is 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 uh, a part of something that takes us beyond it, doesn't it? You know, by um, like each of us having to communicate with each other and get along with each other and and, and uh, disagree with each other and yet listen to each other, that takes us beyond our our selfish individuality, and makes us bigger, which is which is the 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 way of of marriage or the way of vocation that's always been the way isn't it? you have you relate with a group of people or one person or a family and that relationship hopefully takes you to something bigger than you would do on your own that, that's the idea I feel very fortunate in this in this age to have the stability of this kind of a life I can I can refer to vinaya texts I can refer to my peers, I can uh, hear disagreements from junior monks, and somehow it's all, all quite doable. So we're not suppressing individuality, uh, we're not trying to even get rid of it really, we're just seeing that there are, there are common values that we all respect, and that by living with these common values we're constantly enhancing them, just simple things like being content with little. That's a, that's a beautiful value. And so, whatever food is offered, whatever lodging we're given... Sure, we have preferences. Uh, It's, you know... I really like my room. (laughs) I prefer it to living in the little one that Gabriel's living in, right? (laughs) But then we also have a sense of elders. So we, we, we say, well, it's not egalitarian. Yeah, we have the same rules, but there's those who have served longer. Who have um, done done a lot of work, and so we have this chance to to like um, uh, praise or lift up the elders in the community, rather than rip them down and say they're just old farts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, what? Wow, it's my French again. <laughs> so this is beautiful, isn't it? It's quite quite a, quite an opportunity. Um, And then that, that, that lifestyle that we have, at least I find it beautiful, I don't know, this is my trip. That's why I'm a lifer, I've been at it for a while. And then within that, within that construct of, of, of I would say, um, fearlessness, you know, we don't have to fear each other. Because there's no competition and any competitive urges we have, we can watch. There's nowhere to go really in this outfit. You only advance when the other guy dies. The guy next to you dies or disrobes, so you are where you are. Uh, so you have a chance to, to, to kind of really contemplate your own inner being and your own defilements. Now, it doesn't mean when we come to this life that somehow we're all, that there's no ill will, that there's no lust, that there's no greed. No, that's not the case. We still, human beings, we still feel the, the impulses of biological urges. We still feel the conditioning of our families and cultures. We feel defilements or greed, hatred and delusions. So these manifest. But they manifest within a very safe place, uh, in in a place where that kind of work is honored it's not suppressed. And so we can do the work. We can do the work of witnessing and understanding attachment and suffering and going beyond it. So we meditate. We're not just meditating uh, on an object. We're actually meditating on our own conditioning, aren't we? In the winter time, when it's really icy, and uh, you know how the, in the winter time of these days, the winter, you get these thaws and freezes, thaws and freezes. They're very dangerous out, outside, isn't it? Right? And and uh, just just think how uh, when let's say if you if you're in the bhikkhu vihara and you're feeling um, angry at one of the monks or disgruntled with one of the monks or yearning for a girlfriend or whatever the mind does I'm sure no one does that but <laughs> you know whatever whatever the discontent mind is doing when you exit the bhikkhu vihara, and it's really icy, you focus, don't you? You focus on that ice, because you know if you don't, you're going to break your hip, or you're going to have an accident. So all of a sudden, all that papancha going on about, you know, not liking this, or not liking that, or fantasizing something else, it stops. And You focus on the ice, and then you crawl in here, and you sit down, and it starts again. Isn't it? Now, why does it start again? Because you really haven't dealt with it. You focused on something, and that focus has prevented it from coming into consciousness, but it hasn't been liberated. And that's the mistake of meditation. People think that by focusing on an object, breath, mantra, whatever, um, that that's, that's the trick. But that is necessary. You, you need to concentrate. You need to focus on things that need to be focused on. You need to focus on not cutting yourself with a knife and cutting the vegetables or using a power tool or uh, going on the ice. But notice that that focus doesn't really liberate you. It simply picks up an object, preoccupies consciousness with that object, but then the, the the tendencies, the kind of arising of these ego projections and all of that—they're still there. So as soon as you put down that object, you uh, let go of the focus or the concentration. Same old, same old, same old. That's why pe- that's why retreats can be very disappointing, where people can can really zero in on an object of meditation, and maybe also there's a, just like there's a lot of sense restraint there's no music there's no, there's no people to talk to you're silent someone else is cooking blah 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 so it seems like you're really peaceful but all that really is a sense restraint uh, sense sense deprivation I'd say and sure the mind maybe kind of churns up a little bit but there's no no input so you know, and you, you can focus on something and get the mind nice and peaceful so you think well that's that's what it's about that's what I want to get. And then you hate the rest of life. <laughs> but but that's, that's not liberating. It's helpful. It's helpful to get perspective that way. But what, what would be really liberating, it seems to me, is if the, if the, whatever you're doing, these tendencies to greet hatred was actually ceased and didn't come up again, or it came up less powerfully or less, um, less often. Less, less frequency, right? The whole damn thing would stop. <laughs> but not just because you've, you've, you've focused on something so nothing else can come into consciousness. No. No, that it actually stops and it doesn't come up again or comes up less or is seen more quickly or is, a, is processed more quickly. Now, how might that process work? How might that work? Well, it wouldn't work by just you know, ignoring it. It wouldn't work through distraction, say. so you can, certain people will ignore the difficulties of their heart by getting distracted They'll do something else, so they'll fill their mind with another object, so that's entertainment or uh, sex or drugs or projects or um, blaming other people, politics, all of that can be a distraction away from the underlying um, suffering that we have. So that pe- people do that a lot in our culture, okay? That's one way. <clears throat> Another way to do it is just to try to get rid of it, and, or analyze it, and think it to death. And I think all of us have tried to think it to death, and we've become deathly thinking. It, it doesn't work. Analysis doesn't work. I don't know about you, i you know, just kind of constantly mulling something over about a, an inner problem that you have. You just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. So analysis can be helpful, but thought, can thought put an end to these things? I don't think so, because the thought itself is just engaged with the same program. So how do things actually end? How do they, how do they come to an end? Not be replaced by something, not be distracted by something. How, how do things actually end in consciousness? Well, you, 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 can, you can notice it if you notice thought. You can notice how, um, say, if, you, if your mind is complaining about something that happened yesterday, and then you actually, uh, you, and you're using the breath. You're using this, so you use the breath. You're doing breath meditation. But now you're doing breath meditation to be aware, rather than focusing on the object so that nothing else comes up. And this is very crucial in meditation to see that we are meditating, uh, it's it's awareness with the breath, rather than the breath being an object, which will prevent all these defilements from coming up into the mind, and then I'll be happy. So for me, this difference is very important. So, awareness with breathing. Now, if it's awareness with breathing, then when other material comes up, it's all right. So if it's awareness with the breath, awareness with the wind, awareness with bodily sensation, then then the, the awareness isn't limited by the bodily sensation. It's not concentrated in that way, it's present, present in the here and now, but it's actually quite open, quite open to change. So, let's say, um, doing anapanasati, awareness with an in-breath, awareness with an out-breath, awareness, and then uh, some... some sexual fantasy comes up to mind, or some resentment, or some jealousy comes up into the mind. That's still in the field of awareness now. But because one has been practicing presence with the breath, one sees it, one knows it as a, a movement in consciousness, something that's come into consciousness. It's not essentially me. Uh, it's not, I'm not doing this, I'm not producing this. comes up because it has a force to come up into consciousness. And it's in awareness, and because it's in awareness, and one has this sense of that mindfulness includes, anicca um, Dukan, it includes the perspective of change, it includes the perception of change. Then when it comes up, the background uh, wisdom is 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 interpreting this as change rather than as self. That's very important, isn't it? If I interpret it as self, what do you have? Well, then you have self-narratives. I shouldn't be this way. I oh, this would be really nice if I had this relationship. Or, oh, that guy was a creep. He did this to me. That, that's wrong understanding or wrong view or wrong perspective. That's self-perspective, sakaya personality view, right? But then, if you're just practicing awareness with the way things are, then as something moves into your field of awareness, then it's seen. This is changing. Now what happens when you do that, if this is known as something which is changing, then we don't engage the narrative. And when we don't engage the narrative, and we encourage the mind to be present to the way things are. So as I was saying last week, abandon all definitions of self in the past, all all definitions of self in the future. Abandon all that. All narratives of past all narratives of abandon all that, what happens then? The the feeling of being discontent in whatever way still comes into consciousness, it's still there. But now it's known in awareness. As the breath is in awareness. This the awareness is the same. And then as it goes through, if you have the courage and trust and faith and, and not afraid of your own negativity. There's nothing wrong with it, it is as it is, it's just nature. Then in that movement, you'll also see the end of the movement. You see, especially when you 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 don't believe in the thinking mind, you see that this this feeling or whatever is something that ceases in awareness, and then you're beginning to practice the timelessness of of of, of silence, the timelessness of of not self, and and these conditions then begin to. Um, run out of run out of energy. They just run their course. They run their course. They run their course. They run their course. And they settle down, they become more quiet. Now this is not and and you walk away from it and your 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 mind is 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 now experiencing transformation, not just a substitution. It's not like you've you've just distracted the mind with a Monty Python movie and then the same old depression comes up. Not like that at all. Now this might take, i figured it out, it must take, must take 420 years. <laughs> 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 because you do the math, right? Okay, so... <laughs> Why 420? Well, it, apparently, stream entry, right? You see Sugai Diti, stream entry, has seven left, right? Once a turn and one left, so take, we make that six. You live seven to each one. So that six times seven is 420. So 420 years, you got to do this. <laughs> but if, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit facetious here, but if you put that perspective on it, well, that, you know, like, it seems to be from the text that stream entry is just the start. That's just when you're in the ball game, right? right? And then uh, once returner is like the the the, uh, uh, the ill will and, and and the sensual desire have really really lessened, very really, very really, so it doesn't come up much at all. Right? So from, <laughs> from one to two, what's going on? A whole lot of cleansing, no? I reckon. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's just playing. That's being very literal. There's a danger in this kind of literalism. But but if you if you put that perspective on it, that well maybe even though there's the insight into non-grasping, into Anicca Du into the the first three fetters, Diti and so on. Maybe even though there's there's that insight, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to be happy. <laughs> You know, okay, I've got the insight into an Duganata, I understand Sakaditi, now it's all going to be hunky-dory. Maybe it gets worse, because Monty Python doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> or distraction doesn't do it anymore. Maybe it gets more difficult. Maybe you have even more uh, Vyapada coming up, more ill will coming I don't mean, oh, know. But, but if, you, if you put that perspective on it, then it's depressing, yes. But if you put that percent, maybe then you become more patient. Why shouldn't there be ill will? Now, if I am deliberately thinking thoughts of ill will, yeah, there will be more ill will for sure. Okay, don't do that. Have compassion, you know, have metta. But don't, don't you notice that much of our stuff, we're not deliberately doing it. I'm not kind of, as I often joke, I don't wake up in the morning and plan to be grumpy at four in the afternoon, or plan to be greedy at three, or something like that. It doesn't work like that. It just arises from conditions, causes and conditions. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe when when there is the, the, the kind of movement towards the unconditioned, when you finally see that peace or freedom cannot be an object, it cannot be an objective experience, it cannot be an emotion, and so on, see, it cannot be where it's at. And your mind starts to, to, to really practice renunciation. It can't be in the five khandhas. It can't be there. Logically, it cannot be there. And you take on why an Ichidukhanatha is so important. Why that teaching is so important. Because that's the teaching. That perspective gives you non-grasping. And you really take that on board. Maybe stuff does come up. You know, maybe a lot of ill will comes up. Or a lot of raga comes up. And then... And then you can feel quite, maybe, frightened or think, well, there's something wrong with my practice, you know? I thought I had this insight uh, last week or last year, and now it's like, just all this stuff coming up. Well, why not? Just stuff. Well, that's okay for you to say, Bhante, but it's my stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have your stuff. But, but maybe, you know, maybe we're supposed to experience a lot of vayapadha. So if you, if you do that, you know, just, just this kind of thought experiment, really. If you do that, then when, when, when your will comes up, you say, well, yeah, okay, I'll be with this for six lifetimes. <laughs> Which isn't the same as, oh, God, six more lifetimes of Bhagavad That's not the same. It's like... I think Lampala that that it all belongs, that kind of sense of open, welcoming acceptance through awareness of change of whatever. Whatever comes up. And yet, living in a lifestyle of, 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 of goodness, of, of morality, of sensitive speech, of responsible action, and so on. So that lifestyle is beautiful, beautiful, but the mind cannot be so beautiful. It can be quite, quite uh, disappointing. <laughs> or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and perhaps in that sense of... of truly, really accepting the, the negativity in this way of not-self, and you begin to really do, you do see it cease. And, and if, you, if you try that, you really abandon these, this, this, uh, this this referencing to the past and future, just abandoning it. Now, again, why I use the word abandon? Because when you abandon something, you're not choosing another object. The problem we have in, 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 in meditation is quite often when we started you started, and someone told you to do walking meditation, what did you do? You focused like hell, trying to get 20 paces to the end and not think, and no one did it. <laughs> Everyone failed. Everyone found they're thinking about something else halfway through, and you felt, well, I can't do this. And then through some maturity, you realized, well, that's not right. It's not about control. And, he, and the ones that did it, so what? So you know, so, so for one hour, they're really concentrated, Boom, back and forth. And as soon as they let go of the concentration, the garbage came up again. No? Right? That's what I've noticed. So then you see, well, it's not about holding on for 20 paces, right? It's about awareness with walking. You know, awareness with walking, awareness with walking, back and forth, back and forth. So the idea of concentration changes from concentrating on a single object to one of being present. Now, when I say, Abandon referencing to the past and the future. When you when you do that, you're not um, doing this thing. I must be present. You know, I must hold on to my teacup, or and really, really be focused. And I, I, really must. Each step must. I must be present. That that's horrible. That's a really horrible way to live, and it's a horrible way to meditate because it doesn't work. Whereas if you if you don't do that, and you say you just just abandon it. You let it go. Don't go there. Then, Presence is there, but it's not predicated on an object. It's not like you're... Um, I'm saying to you, now, you're like, like since Ramdas, we've been doing Be Here Now, right? Be here now, be here now, I have, I have to be here now. Well, where else can you be? <laughs> it's the only place you can be now. So you try to be here now by holding on to an object. But this way, this way, if you say... You abandon. You like. You, you don't analyze it. You don't think about it. Just, just when it comes up, and you notice it. Abandon it. Then there's presence. And whatever needs to be done will be done. Thy will be done. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> 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 the, the something will happen. Don't worry about it. You know, you're a competent person. And 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 what happens when you do that? And 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 you don't get into this uh, horrible thing of me having to focus and concentrate then you're beginning to touch the unconditioned and the sense of timelessness becomes profound the t- sense of that that this moment has never been any other moment becomes profound akali Kadam I'd say yeah? why because you're no longer referencing the objects you're referencing awareness itself so so when you when you're when you're when i'm Let's say I'm I'm, I'm um, fantasizing about going to Japan. I'm going to be going to Japan in November. Like, oh, do, do this. Oh, yeah. I think I'll buy up some tools, <clears throat> and then and then I, and I notice that thought, and and I, I just abandon referencing to the future. Then what am I doing? I'm emphasizing not objects. I'm emphasizing awareness. Or the other, if I'm fantasizing about going to Japan and and doing this and that, and then I said, no, no, focus, focus, okay, okay, focus, focus. Then I'm focusing on an object, but then I'm referencing objects all the time, which are not timeless. Objects are bound by time, bound by change, bound by suffering. But this way I'm not not referencing objects, I'm referencing awareness itself. And I'm not judging anything, I'm saying, we shouldn't think that way, because that's referencing objects again. So what we're trying to do, I think, I think the spiritual life's about, it's like living in the conventional world of, of people and objects and responsibilities, but finding the place which is not referencing objects, it's awareness, not dependent on objects, timeless, akaliko dhamma, always here and now dhamma. And I think a lot of us, I certainly made that mistake in meditation where I thought it was one point of focus, and that's what books say. But then I, I saw some other things. It's, what makes much, much more sense to me is one, one place presence, one place presence. That makes much more sense because that's not not emphasizing the object; it's emphasizing awareness itself. And and what I, what else could be the unconditioned, timeless? It can only be awareness, consciousness, uh, amata dhamma, whatever you want to call it. So I, I would suggest that, that when this kind of material comes into consciousness of, of, of where, where this, the, the selfie is really taking place, it's a good word, actually, for, for attachment, the endless selfies of past and future, don't, don't be afraid of them. The, 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 there's nothing wrong with feeling ill will. It's unpleasant. That's the problem. I'd much rather feel deep, deep love for all humanity all the time. But it ain't going to happen, <laughs> not tomorrow. But if, if I see that love is actually the acceptance of ill-will, rather than defining myself as someone who should love all people all the time, I begin to see that awareness itself must be compassion, must be kindness, must be goodwill, otherwise you could not accept, it could not uh, include everything. Awareness includes everything. And so you see, the profound movement to the unconditioned has to be about kindness, has to be about openness, has to be about welcoming, but not in a kind of egotistic sense. Not, not in that way, something much bigger. So that way you can see that awareness is bigger than any any sense of ill-will. And, and, and the capacity to say, even this belongs, is compassion, even ill-will. Certainly, if I'm following ill will and, and, and plotting the downfall of, of, of other people, then I don't think any of us do that here. You know, I, I don't think we would be, you know, if we were that type of person, we wouldn't be here. I think, we've, I think we've sussed that one out by now, right? So that's usually not a problem. It's the other, it's the fear, repression. I'm, I'm a bad person for feeling these things. Having said that, if you are planning, to kill someone, please, you know, come, come <laughs> to me. I'll give you some counsel. <laughs> we have precepts, things like that. So really look at how you, you know, when, when, when negati- negativity comes up or, or something like that, what happens? Do you make some, some kind of um, deep knee-jerk reaction to it? Judgment about it. Does your mind just kind of fall into analysis about it? Why am I doing this? Or does it have a sense of this is just anicca-dukkata? It's just condition arising and ceasing. And can you just witness and wait and be patient and watch its cessation? The cessation you notice in 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 narrative is the cessation of I thinking. You can do that. That's quite easy. The cessation in in emotional contact takes longer and it keeps coming up, and the narrative wants to grab it. Don't grab the narrative, and it keeps ceasing as energy, ceasing as energy, ceasing as energy. It takes longer. Uh, but that's the more profound cessation. And then what's happening, of course, is the latent tendency, the anusaya, the, t- the, the, the movement of the mind in that direction is falling away. It's just falling away. And then the heart's truly liberated because they, they, those tendencies don't exist anymore. They, they, they haven't been fed. They haven't been believed in. And 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 you got you kind of begin to understand what we mean by the unshakable deliverance of the heart, what that might, what that might indicate, what that might mean. All right, I'll leave that for your reflection. (laughs)